The Lifestylist, episode 193, featuring Luke Story. I'm Luke Story. For the past 22 years, I've been relentlessly committed to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of spirituality, health, psychology, and personal development. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. Let's say what's up to Organifi. Now, everyone knows, I think by now, if you're remotely into health, that green juice is really good for you. But have you ever actually tried juicing? It's kind of a pain in the ass and it's quite expensive. Now, I do it when I have time. I'll get on a kick and, oh, I'm going to make celery juice every morning because I'm like on the medical medium thing or whatever. I mean, I've been juicing for years, but it's expensive to buy all those vegetables and it takes a lot of time. And, uh, you know, I hate to say it, but time is money. So Organifi makes a green juice powder. It's an organic superfood green juice powder that you just add to water and you get your greens on the go. It's super fast, super easy. It tastes good. It's got a zillion superfoods in it. Way too many to name here. We'd be here all day. But it's um, it's 100% legit and it's kind of sweet. It's got a really nice minty sort of flavor to it. And it helps me get my energy going. I usually put this in my morning smoothie or I just have it right away. Um, I use them on the plane. I uh, travel with them. I keep them in my hotel room. It's kind of like the first thing I drink when I wake up in the morning most of the time. So I'm very stoked to keep supporting this brand. They've been with the show for a long time. I love them. They love me. They love you so much, in fact, that they're willing to give you 20% off your order if you go to Organifi.com forward slash Luke. That's Organifi with an I. Organifi.com forward slash Luke. Now, if you want to hook up that 20%, you're going to use the code lifestylist at checkout. That's organifi.com forward slash Luke. The code is lifestylist. We are back in the saddle again, folks, with another bootleg broadcast bonus episode of the Lifestylist podcast. Today's talk was recorded live at the Neil Strauss Society Biohacking Intensive, where I gave a talk recently about every single thing I do for self-care and stress recovery. We cover the three types of stress that we all deal with, physical, emotional, and spiritual. And I give some advice about stopping the pursuit of mindfulness and start pursuing mindlessness. The difference between working in and working out, listening to both what your body needs and what it can handle at any given time, the importance of nurturing joint health and mobility, how 10 minutes of vibrating your body can change your entire world. The number one physical recovery tool available to us all for free anytime we want it. The healing benefits of carrying human touch on your skin. Acupuncture for recovery and stress relief. PEMF for injury recovery, even menstrual cramps. A challenge for all of you. Practice negativity or complaining fasting and watch what happens to your life. And the life-changing power of getting bit on the face by a Rottweiler and the story behind how that led to my spiritual awakening. Gratitude is a lifelong process. The healing power of music and saying yes to saying no. Natural tools to de-stress and relax. Pills, powders, PEMF, and more. 
And finally, how to get over the idea that you're living a purposeless life in a meaningless universe. Yes, we cover all of that and more in this special live recording. Speaking of live recording, I'd like to just remind you that this was recorded before a studio audience, unlike the recording I'm doing right now in a nice cushy studio. So the sound quality and the general flow of things will be quite different from our normal episodes where I uh, have the microphones isolated and everything is carefully edited. You're getting a raw uncut, real deal, you know, maybe R-rated talk that I did. So enjoy the show very much. And if you enjoy it, as I'm sure you will, make sure to join us next Tuesday when I sit down with the legendary Neil Strauss at this very event, where we talk about raising conscious kids, the new parenting paradigm. And if you're thinking about having kids or you've already squeezed a couple out, uh, listen, you don't want to miss that because Neil has a fantastic take on being the best dad ever. So I highly encourage you to check that out. I'd love for you to come spend some time with me in Miami. I'm going to be there at Sacred Space, a fantastic venue, presenting my now infamous High Love Experience Workshop Saturday, March 30th. That's Saturday, March 30th in Miami. I've been getting a lot of messages from people on the East Coast and down South there saying, hey, come out here. What's up with all the events in LA? Well, here I come. So go to lukestory.com forward slash events to get your tickets. That's lukestory.com forward slash events. And now my friends, let's talk about recovery, self-care, and how to have the best life ever. Enjoy the show. All right. So here's the deal. We're learning how to optimize things. We're learning about health. We're learning about mindset. I always talk about meditation and spirituality and what some people call mindfulness. I like to call it mindlessness, which I'll get to less mind. Uh, in the way that we're living. And the purpose of this, of course, is so that we feel good. And why do we want to feel good? Because each of us have a mission. We have something here that we're, we're meant to do, whether that be our career, our business, our family, being a parent, whatever it is. But there's nothing that we can do unless we put on our own oxygen mask first. And I love that particular metaphor because it really fits normal life. And it's what happens every time you get on an airplane, right? In the event of emergency, does it say save all the kids around you? No, it says save your fucking self. (laughs) And from one perspective, you could look at that as being self-centered, narcissistic, selfish, and, you know, in the extreme, when you're the only person you take care of, uh, I think that there is um, a tendency to lean that way for some people. You know, until you learn that the true gifts in life come from sharing and connection and love and in uh, making a contribution in whatever way best serves you. But I've tried to do this without taking care of myself. You know, I'm going to be healthy. I'm going to be spiritual. I'm going to do every personal development program and I'm going to go out there and save the world and be the best guy ever and just be of service. It's all about helping other people, helping other people. And I got this for a while in my own process of recovery, really, frankly, you know, because. You've been the selfish bastard your whole life just thinking about yourself. You sober up and you figure out, well, if I want to keep this going, this good feeling that I have, I have to think about someone other than myself. And many of us swing to the other direction and become a people pleaser and all about serving and forgetting this very crucial principle that if I don't have it, I can't give it away. And what I want to have is positive energy. You know, when I come up here to share whatever I've figured out in life or I'm in the process of figuring out, I've got to have my own shit together before I have anything to transmit. You know, I have to make sure that I have a sense of positive energy inside. And so I spend a lot of time doing this. It's also really important because 
all of us work hard, man. I, I crush it. I mean, I go nonstop. I could have come here and just said to these guys, oh, yeah, cool, I'll come and do a 45-minute talk on Friday and you guys have a nice weekend. No, like, hey, you want to do some more stuff? We have, you know, the following sort of gaps in the schedule. I'm like, fuck, yeah, I'm all in. I'll do three. Ended up being kind of four, including the first one. Recorded a podcast with Jack last night. Did one with Neil today. I mean, I'm, I'm all in. But in order for me to do that... I really have to take care of myself. Otherwise, the things that I'm setting out to do, whether it be speaking with you guys or recording something, is not going to be to my fullest potential. And so as much as I like to go, 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 and just crush it and get shit done, what people often don't see, because people that follow my show and social media and stuff, they're like, dude, you never stop. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? I don't start work until like 12 o'clock every day, because you guys heard the morning routine, right? That's all to prepare me to just go out and then to be able to be super active and productive. So that's the foundation I like to set is put on your own oxygen mask first as, counter, as counterintuitive as that is if you're someone who's altruistic and you care about other people and you've you know, understood that the way to really receive is to give. But you've got to give to yourself first. Okay, three types of stress. It's funny because I just wrote this whole thing as I said on a plane and I've not looked at it yet. So it's going to be a surprise to me as it is to you. But I was thinking about if we're about recovery, if that's what we want to cover in this particular section in self-care, well, what are we recovering from? We're recovering from stress. And I thought, well, what are the different types of stress? You have physical stress, which comes from being alive, from oxidative stress, just from being in the environment, the things that you're eating, the blue light, the EMF, and of course, the physical activity you do, whether you're a mechanic or you go to the gym or you're sitting there working on computer chips all day like this, hunched over, whatever physical activity uh, you're partaking in or the lack thereof is going to cause physical stress on the body. And then you have your mental and emotional stress. And this is stress that is caused by one's perception of reality and how they're interfacing with the things that happen to you in your day-to-day life. It's like, you got two people that are caught on the 405 in traffic that can have totally different experiences based on how they're perceiving that experience. You know, one guy has the mindset mentally and emotionally that this always happens to me. Why don't they fucking fix this? Why do I pay taxes? Why does everyone have a nicer car than me? You know, whatever those thoughts are that one has, why are they driving so close? Why is this guy tailgating me? And the other one's sitting there listening to some classical music, just having a fucking great time. Same experience. A different, same objectively same experience, vastly different experience um, subjectively. And that is another kind of emotional and mental stress that oftentimes we put ourselves through, but then there is external stress that just happens. Illness, death, divorce, change, loss of attachment. There's things that you can't deny no matter how spiritual you are or positive you are that cause stress on an emotional, mental level. Human beings are wired for attachment and most of our stress that's involuntary and not self-induced has to do with normal, healthy attachments. Man, if I care about someone and they fucking up and die on me, that causes a lot of stress. Next type of stress is spiritual stress. And I'm going to go into these in, in greater detail and talk about mitigation. But to me, um, spiritual stress is not having a purpose. It's, it's not feeling any connection to a, a universe that's friendly. It's having sort of a global outlook on the human experience and my incarnation as something negative and something that has to be hard and not finding a higher purpose or a higher power in life. So as I started to break down the self-care stuff, I thought, well, let's look at the, the ways in which we're stressed because they happen to us on a lot of different levels. Would you guys agree? Have you guys experienced stress on all these levels? Yeah, if you haven't, you might not be human. Oh, yeah. So first, I'm going to cover a little bit of the physical stress. So workout, sports, travel, just living. 
I think one of the things that, thankfully, uh, due to people like, like Aaron Alexander and my brother Cody and many people in the natural movement community uh, have started to realize that if you're a, an absolute fanatical gym rat and you're trying to get down to 6% body fat or whatever your goals happen to be in terms of fitness, you know, a few years ago, it was not long ago, that it was go, go, go. I go to the gym six days a week, seven days a week. I work out three times a day. I just eat creatine and protein powder, like that whole paradigm of kind of the old gym rat mentality. Even people that aren't that consciously into health are starting to realize like, wow, recovery is really important. And, uh, you know, for someone like me, I would say I probably work out not as much as I would like to. So I don't have a huge problem with that. But I do have friends that still haven't heard the news like, dude, if you want to build muscle, the recovery days are 50% of that process, right? And so if you're someone who's very physical and you express yourself a lot physically and you're causing that kind of stress, it's really, really even more important for you to take rest days and to really work on the recovery part of working out. There's like working out, then there's working in. And there's a lot of different ways that you can do that. We'll talk about a couple of them. But even for myself at different points when I've been very gung-ho about fitness and I, you know, I commit to something for a period of time, I mean, if I do that for too many days in a row, then I'm forced to take a rest day or what I call a buffer day from that. And it's not even a conscious thing. It's just like, oh, I have every intention of getting up today and doing a high-intensity workout, and my body just says, we're done. That's not going to happen. I think it's a, a much more wise approach to actually build that into whatever protocol you've adopted into your life. Okay, cool. So these are the days I push. Um, a lot of people are doing you know, tracking devices and really looking at metrics and building those in according to what your biology is giving you. I never went that deep with it. I just learned, wow, I really can't push it that hard or I'm going to pay a price. Whereas in the long term, I can push it harder if I already plan in and bake in rest days, whatever those might include. Joint health and mobility. This is something that I had to learn the hard way. You know, years ago when I first started getting healthier and kind of taking my life back and um, started in my journey, you know, both my brothers, they're a few years younger, eight and 12 years younger, and they're both really into fitness. One of them's a trainer and he actually owns a gym now called Story Fitness on Pico and uh, Fairfax. And at that time, they were in the old gym paradigm. And I would go work out with them and I'm this scrawny guy, I've never worked out in my life, and they're getting me to push all this heavy weight and stuff and I would always get injured. And I was like, what the fuck? I thought going to the gym makes you healthier. I feel worse every time I go to the gym. I'm limping around. I can't use this shoulder, this elbow. It's like, what the hell? And then eventually, you know, thankfully, my brother Cody started really getting into some of the more functional movement um, teachers and things like that. And he adopted that in his personal training and the training he teaches other people. And I started to get a much more... And I would, you know, I'm by no means an expert on this at all, but I do have the fundamental principles down that if you're trying to get your body to take on a load and you don't have the joint mobility and the range of motion to do that, you're going to get injured. And so part of the process of physical exertion and wanting to be fit, whether you're just pushing your heart rate or you're trying to build muscle or whatever you're doing, must include a healthy mobility and joint practice. And you know, guys like Aaron and many others are experts in that. Next is what I call the compensation. So when our muscles are contracting because we're working out and using them, whether that be sprinting or lifting weights or machines or anything you're doing, I want to compensate. I want to stretch out those muscles that I've then um, sort of um, contracted, right? And so 
This would be more in the traditional Hatha kind of yoga that I'm talking about where you're holding stretches and you're not only doing, you know, your movement, which I'm sure you guys did some of, you know, learning how to move like a baby and getting on the floor and joint mobility drills and all that. But I really see a big value in stretching, especially after working out with weights or even just doing body weight stuff where your whole body's getting tense and contracted. So that's kind of the order that I like to go in is do mobility, loosen everything up, even do an ice bath, then do mobility, then do something difficult, whatever that is, heart rate, weight, all of that stuff. But then absolutely getting into the compensation and doing some yoga and doing some classical kind of holding stretches afterward. That's the formula that works for me. And if I follow that formula after I work out, and I'm not a big workout guy, as I keep saying, I actually am glad I did it instead of regretting it. And the next day walking around with a fucked up hip or knee and going, all right, I'm never going back to the gym again. It's dangerous. So that's the formula for me for inducing stress from physical exertion, which of course is good for you but bookending that with some mobility and some stretching or yoga. Next one that's great, and you guys have been doing it out in the hall a little bit, is vibration therapy. This is an amazing way to alleviate any kind of physical stress, even just from driving, sitting at the desk. I mean, for me, physical stress isn't even, oh, I'm deadlifting. Physical stress is like, I just took modafinil and sat down and did you know, emails for three hours. That's very physical, physical stress because you're, you're immobile. It's like you're putting your body in an, in an imagined cast and you start to atrophy and that's very stressful. You know, The loss of energy flow and blood flow and lymph flow in the body and losing your oxygen levels and all of that in about 10 minutes on a vibe plate or a trampoline could be another way to do it. I mean, it's another sort of way of vibrating the body. I mean, within 10 minutes, you can change your whole world. And when it comes to joint health and joint pain and all those things in general, circulation, you're just moving the body, vibration is an absolute must. Um, as I said the other night, it's difficult with the vibration because you've got to have somewhere where you can put it where it doesn't get you evicted. So mine ended up being in the garage. So at first I was kind of bummed because you know the compliance with my use is going to go down if it's further away in proximity. Then I figured out though, oh, I want to get my morning sun, right? And I want to maybe throw in a kettlebell and I don't have time to go do a conventional workout at a, at a gym or something. So now having mine in my garage, I've sort of turned it around. And so I slide it out on this rug into the sun and then I'll just stretch, I'll do yoga, I'll do balancing, I'll do some push-ups on it, I'll do some kettlebell presses, swing the kettlebell around, whatever I'm going to do. And again, stacking the modalities so I'm not just getting the vibration, but I'm also getting, you know, I'm building some muscle and I'm doing some other things. I'm moving my joints, I'm moving around and getting the vibration at the same time. This is crucial after a really horrendous email or an interaction or something bad happens, even on a psychological or, or mental plane where you can go get that, actually get that tension out of your body. So some of these, of course, cross over and they're not purely for the physical. The vibration, I like to use a lot just to wake up. I'll do the vibration and then I'll do an inversion to get all the, everything moving, all the nutrients, all the oxygen moving in the body from shaking around. And then I'll go hang upside down or do a handstand. That can change your life. I mean, you can be having the shittiest day. And just from literally shaking things up like that, you can alleviate a lot of stress. And then, of course, as many of us have been talking about, and I will always repeat slides because they apply to so many different areas of life. But when it comes to recovery, I mean, man, there's like, cryo's cool. I like cryo. I like it because it's fast. And it's, it's just less of a pain in the ass. You don't get all wet. You don't have to shower. You just take your clothes off, get in, put your clothes back on. You're off in your world. Um, I don't like the cryo that are, or your head's out, the liquid, what is that, liquid um, nitrogen, I think it is. 
I don't like those as much as the full body cryo. And we have two places here. Uh, they're called Next Health that have full body cryo that's cold air. And it is cold, son. Uh, that's a much different experience than the liquid nitrogen versions. Still, though, if I have my way, I'm going to get in an ice bath, frozen lake, frozen river, cold ass water. To me, is the number one physical recovery tool available. Thank you. So, as I've said, you know, a number of different reasons, but if you're sore, you had a long drive. I do this a lot on road trips. I just drove up to Lake Tahoe recently and I'll look on my map, you know, I'll keep the map up on the navigation. And when I see blue on there, I'm looking for a rest stop that has access to some water that I can get into. And I will go put myself in some freezing water. I find some bushes where I can get in, take my clothes off and I do my thing. And, you know, pain in the body, stress in the body from going like this, being in an EMF fucking bomb of a car with Bluetooth and Wi-Fi in it and all this stuff. Getting in that ice bath, as I recently learned this weekend, is also a Faraday cage. When you're in a body of water, you're actually protected from all of those fields. So it reduces stress in a multitude of ways, some of which I'm just learning about. Infrared sauna, a traditional sauna that you would get in, or even you know, like what we call a box of rocks sauna, uh, kind of the gym type saunas are good as well. But I like the infrared saunas in terms of the nervous system parasympathetic effect that you get that you don't really get in like a Russian cabana type sauna or a gym sauna. I love the infrared sauna. That's why I'm really excited to have that blanket. I saw a couple of you guys crawled inside the, the infrared blanket, um, which by the way is, if it's not zero, it's very low EMF because I grilled the woman that makes it about that. She's like, oh, are you kidding me? No, we designed it with a breaker, so it, whatever. But I got in that today and I was like five minutes in there. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so relaxed. And I was kind of tense. I didn't sleep a lot last night. I've been working really hard. Infrared heat, whether that comes from the sun or whether it's artificial in the case of an infrared sauna, is incredibly calming to your nervous system. So this would count for the physical, mental, emotional, and on one sense, even spiritual, because when your nervous system calms down, it takes you out of that sympathetic fight or flight nervous system state, which makes you kind of defensive or offensive and negative. So again, they all sort of tie in together. So I'm a huge fan of sauna. Then the body work and the body work tools. Now in a perfect world, I would be getting a massage or some sort of body work every goddamn day. Now I don't have the time to do that or the funding to do that in many cases. So if I can't go get some great body work, I mean, I just like to go get a good Thai massage. I'm, I'm pretty simple. I don't need any kind of fancy body work per se. I just like having human hands on my body. I think there's a real healing component to body work that has to do with someone touching you in a caring way, even if there's a transaction involved where they get their 80 bucks or whatever. Unless you're dealing with someone who's completely unconscious and just has very negative energy, I think there's a lot of benefit in just sort of surrendering to allowing someone to care for you. It's a great act of self-care to allow someone else to care for you, even if there's an exchange involved. But in lieu of someone else working on me, a couple of you guys have had a chance to try some of the body work tools that I have, the uh, Theragun, which requires earplugs, unfortunately. It's very loud. We put it away today because we're like, kind of ruins the hallway experience. Uh, there's another one called the Hyperbolt. Some couple guys have it. It does the same thing as the Theragun, I think, just much quieter. So I would probably opt for that. And then the Rapid Release. And I explained the other day in my very first slide kind of what uses those have. 
the ones that have a big jarring, like pop, 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 pop type vibration are generally better for larger muscle groups, knots and things like that. Whereas the higher frequency vibration of the rapid release, more of a that type of vibration, better for joints and connective tissues and things like that. But it's amazing what you can do on your own with a tool like that. You take 20 minutes, maybe take a hot shower, hot tub, go to some hot spring, get your body hot, sauna, whatever it is, get everything loosened up, get a yoga mat, and just get down and commit to reaching every spot you can reach and just do yourself kind of head to toe. Of course, you can't do your back very well, which is typically where you hold a lot of tension, unfortunately. But doing the rest of it, I found, has the net effect of actually kind of loosening up everything in the neck and back, even though I can't get back there, just because I'm releasing tension from head to toe with the exception of the back. But I can get the back of the legs, the calves, under the feet, pressure points on the feet, pressure points on the hands. You use those attachments and you really dig in there and use the force of that vibration to release tension in the body. Really powerful stuff. Big fan of acupuncture specifically for recovery and stress relief. Now, there's a number of different types of acupuncture you can do. Uh, I've done, you know, just old school, uh, oriental, Chinese medicine, Japanese acupuncture, whatever the origins are, where, you know, you go to Koreatown and it's like a little old man and he comes in and just does the needles, doesn't even speak English and you just fall asleep and it's very relaxing, it's awesome. However, one thing I really like is electroacupuncture. I go to a guy named uh, Dr. Roy Page, who's over in Century City. LA Sports and Spine, great guy, young guy, brilliant. Uses a lot of modalities. He does chiropractic. He does um, something called FRC, functional range conditioning. He also combines that with electroacupuncture. And I've been, I've had a hip problem and a lower back problem for freaking 25 years. And trust me, I've, <laughs> I've tried just about anything I've ever heard of that'll help it. He's helping it a lot because he uses those different modalities. But one thing he does is he very specifically uses. Uh, the electroacupuncture to work on target areas. So it's not so much recovery in a, in a comprehensive, relaxing capacity like a traditional acupuncture session would be. It's very targeted for injury, repair, and recovery. But if you just go for an old school, traditional acupuncture, if those of you that haven't done it, what'll likely happen is you just, you just go parasympathetic and you just fall asleep. It's very, um, it feels like a float tank or a deep meditation. It's, it's like a theta brainwave experience, which is my favorite brainwaves to experience. <laughs> then there's also PMF for injury recovery. Um, not so much the one that I have here, the amp coil, that's a different application. That's really for autoimmune and Lyme and you know, relaxing, meditation, things like that. But there are a number of usually very expensive PMF devices that you'd go use in a clinical setting, which are the types of PMFs where they put two magnets, you know, one on either side of your knee when you blow your knee out and it gets healed five times as fast. The ones they use on um, racehorses and things like that. So despite, you know, what Jack Cruz was saying about hating PMF, I asked him about it and, you know, it kind of made sense what he said, but I don't care. I'm like all in. I love PMF. If my knee hurts and you can put some magnets on it for half an hour, it doesn't hurt anymore, I'm in. I'm simple. I'm a simpleton like that. The biomat I talked about, a couple of you guys have sat on it. Again, infrared heat, really calming to the nervous system and really good for sore parts of your body. Uh, for you gentlemen in, in the room that are in a relationship with the female or plan to be, if you want to get them addicted to you and have them never fucking leave you in your whole life, no matter how much of a jerk you are, get a biomat and next time they have cramps, lay it across their abdomen for about 20 minutes and watch them fall in love with you again. Seriously, it, it cures menstrual cramps. I mean, at least for the moment, you know, maybe not the causation, but the symptoms for sure. Okay, next let's move into mental and emotional. Anxiety, 
anger, overwhelm. I think the one I work with the most in there, I don't typically get too pissed off, maybe some low-level anxiety, but I tend to experience overwhelm quite a a lot. I just, my mind sometimes doesn't work in the most organized fashion, and I just start a bunch of things and have a bunch of things going and and, am slow to ask for help and hire assistants and things like that, sort of take on too much. So that's one I'm always working on. But as I said earlier, a lot of the mental and emotional stuff have a root cause in the way that I'm perceiving my experience. So if I'm overwhelmed, I'm doing it to myself. It's not just that I put too much on my plate, filled up my day too much, filled up the calendar too much. It's that at the root of that overwhelm is a fear that I'm going to lose something that I have or that I'm not going to get something that I want. So really overwhelm, you could parse down to one sort of strain of fear ultimately or a different type of anxiety. But these have to do more with my worldview and how I'm interpreting the experience of life, the attitude that I have about it. Again, going back to my favorite quote by Shakespeare, uh, there's no such thing as good or bad, only thinking makes it so. And that's where a lot of this stuff comes from. But aside from just having attitudinal shifts and life shifts and really doing inner work like so many of you do, uh, there are a few tactics that I'd like to drop on you as well. First one is what I call negativity or complaining fasting. And this is a great challenge. I'm sure some of you have worked with this a little bit. But have you ever noticed that if you focus on something, it tends to amplify its power, right? It's like the old classic, don't think about a yellow chair. You guys, whatever you do, don't think about a yellow chair. Get the yellow chair out of your mind right now. Does everyone have the yellow chair out of your mind? It's that thing, right? What are you thinking about? You're thinking about a yellow chair. And that is what happens when I find, I always speak subjectively because I don't like to lecture and tell people what to do, but I can only speak from my own experience. I literally can have the power to have the most beautiful, amazing day ever or the shittiest day on earth just based on how willing I am to limit the amount of complaining that I do and fault finding that I do. And I think it's part of just the human experience, the negativity bias. You know, our ego is wired to walk out and just look for danger. And as I said, you know, afraid of losing something, afraid of not gaining something. We're just on the defense when we're in our lower emotional states, lower spiritual states, and we haven't done our meditation and we're not connected to that higher self that has a true sense of connection and security. When I'm in a lower state, My mind just looks at everything. I mean, I used to live like this all the time, and I know what it feels like. Now, you know, sometimes I touch it, but because of the separation and the witness experience coming from mindfulness or mindlessness and meditation, most of the time when my mind thinks, ah, that thing sucks, why the fuck is that thing like that? Why do they do it like that? I see it, and I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, nope, fasting. I'm not going to think negativity. And this isn't Pollyanna. It's not ignoring the reality that there are things that are less than desirable in our experience on a day-to-day basis. It's just not choosing to see it as negative. In other words, it's not assigning a negative meaning or outcome to the realities I see it. It's really choosing to see reality in the way that I see it. The worst thing that can happen is not only having the thought, you know, why do they make a white projector? That's fucking dumb. Look at that thing. It would be way cooler if it was black. Now, it might seem like an innocent critique of something, right? But if I think it and then I say it, the way thoughts work is thoughts are things, right? Thoughts have energy. They have power. That's why when you're a bunch with a bunch of positive people in a room and they're all having positive you know, uh, verbalization and positive thoughts, you find yourself kind of going along with it and being positive, right? It's hard to be in a negative state in a, in a field of positivity. Well, the way thoughts are things works is if I 
allow my mind, and then even to verbalize even worse, because that further cements the energy of that thought into finding the fault in something, what happens is there's sort of this negativity magnetism, you know, like the law of attraction. Well, the law of attraction, we think of like, all right, I'm going to think about a Ferrari every night before I go to sleep, a red Ferrari, red Ferrari, and someday I'll get a red Ferrari. That can work too, but what also works is going, you know what, I don't like that projector, screen's too small, I don't like the blue light in here, why is there so much garbage on the table? Next thing you know, I'm like, why the fuck am I up here? Why don't I have shoes? I need a better microphone, you know? Start thinking about everything in my life that I can find fault with. It really is this sort of magnetic field. And so the practice that I've been working on for a long time, and, and I'm getting better at it, so I say it's a practice, never perfect, but always practicing this, is understanding that my thoughts have a real effect on how I feel emotionally and that I do have a choice at what thoughts I tend to give energy to. And that there's two ways to look at everything. I don't like the white projector. Well, it's pretty fucking cool that there's a projector here. Otherwise, how could I remember how to say everything I'm supposed to say? You know, I'm giving you silly examples, but you can take that with the big things too. You know, years ago, one of the things that led to me really changing my life and turning everything around was getting bit on the face by a Rottweiler. And you can imagine the night that had happened if you would have come up to me and said, that's awesome. This is going to turn out to be the greatest gift of your life. I'd have probably bit you on the fucking face. <laughs> In hindsight, I got bit on the face, got some money, went and spent that money on a bunch of drugs, more drugs than I could ever afford in my whole life. And in two months, completely destroyed my life and put my ass in rehab and then had this amazing spiritual experience and my life was forever changed. And it's continuing to change. And a lot of it has to do with that fucking Rottweiler. You know, so it can be for the big things too. It's the five years after you got divorced, you go, oh, wow, because that happened. I met this other person, then I moved here and got this new career. It's having the ability to not have to wait until time has passed and looking back and going, oh, I remember when I was young. You know, here's the lesson in that. But how about seeing the lesson in it right now? And that's only possible when I withdraw negative energy, negative speech from my experience. That's self-care. That's caring for myself because I care about my heart. I care about the way that I feel and I care about the way that I'm affecting the people around me. So I have to take care of my mind. We'll be right back at you after this brief but important announcement. Since I launched this podcast over a year and a half ago, I've received literally hundreds of inquiries from listeners asking me for my top recommendations in terms of health supplements and biohacking technologies. Now, I'm someone who's been borderline obsessive about health for the past 21 plus years. It's kind of just my thing. It's what I'm good at and it's what I really enjoy. And I really love passing my findings and research on to my friends and listeners. What many of you don't know, however, based on the number of emails that I still get asking the same questions, is that I now have a store on my website where I've curated all of the best stuff that I've found in all of these years of research and development. So if you want my recommendations, it's really easy. You can find them all in one place. Go to lukestory.com forward slash store. And there you will find every single product and service that I have personally found and vetted and feel confident in recommending to you, the listener. So again, go to lukestory.com forward slash store and you'll find all of my top recommended products there. It's important to note, however, that I do not personally sell anything. However, on my store, you'll find a description and a link and in many cases, even a discount for all of the products and services that I endorse on my web store. So go to lukestory.com forward slash store to find everything you'll need to support a healthy lifestyle. And now back to the interview. 
on that same note in terms of mental stress, so much of the mental stress comes from not being here. You know, Neil and I were talking about earlier how his son, Tan, is so amazing to watch him because he's just in the moment. And if he gets all fucked up about something, Neil will just be like, oh, yeah, I know, that's horrible, yeah, yeah, yeah. Knowing in five minutes, Ten's going to be like, oh, my toy, and totally forget about that thing. Like, nothing's changed in reality. Ten's position in time and space has just remained consistent because he doesn't have the habit of time travel. So that's why I call it mindlessness, is staying out of the mind. The mind is the thing that's going to take me into the ego state, the instinctive state that has to be concerned about my safety in the future or is looking for that dopamine-inducing reward in the future. Well, my day sucks right now, but tonight at 7, the good thing's going to happen. And my whole day, I'm in anticipation of that reward, or I'm in fear and anxiety of what I'm going to lose, how I'm going to be harmed, the threat, the risk that I'm facing later on. On the converse side, time travel, mindfulness, you know, in a negative sense, would be the regret about the things that have passed. Ah, that thing this morning, ah, shit, I should have returned that email. God, I'm such a fucking idiot. Being self-critical, finding fault retroactively. Or in the other sense, in the positive sense, ah, man, I remember when things were so great. Remember when I was in Hawaii, man? God, I was so happy if I could only go back there. Meanwhile, here I am on a Saturday night in Marina Del Rey, California, standing on a stage with no shoes on. This is where I am. I have to stay right here because everywhere else hurts. Simple. I don't like to hurt. I like to care about myself. And when I'm the only time I can be safe and secure is in the present moment, period. That's it. And I don't care what's happening to me right now. If I keep myself in the present moment, literally nothing can be wrong. Now, you know, it's a stretch at times because sometimes things feel very wrong. The Rottweiler having his fucking teeth in your cheek doesn't feel awesome in that moment. But honestly, it's only happening for that moment. A week later, when I'm traumatized by the Rottweiler, the Rottweiler's gone. Now I'm traumatizing myself because I'm time traveling back and reliving that experience. Meditation and all of these things make this possible. Gratitude overdose. This is an endless practice that I'm constantly working on, is not only resisting the negativity but seeking out and actually giving a lot of effort and energy into the good that I can find in any given situation. Again, not a Pollyanna thing, not pretending there isn't evil, not pretending things aren't wrong, just choosing to look at the positive side of it instead, but really not just having a mental construct of positivity, like, that's kind of cool, I see how I got bit by the dog and it worked out into this other thing. No, like really feeling it, being thankful for those experiences, especially the ones that I've experienced. And at the time, I had a really hard time transmuting into a different reality. That's why I call it a gratitude overdose. Not just like, oh, every morning I write a list of five things. That's cool. But how about actually living like that? Being out here in the hall, you know, meditating before my talk, they come and get me. There's two reactions that I could have. I could be like, fuck, that was 20 minutes? God, why do I got to go in there? Or I can be like, oh, this is amazing. This worked out perfect. Exactly 20 minutes to meditate. Now I get to do the thing. I don't have any of my mic set up. Perfect. This is amazing. I'm so happy that everything's the way it is. Because look, everything's fine. It's all in my mind. My whole world is colored by the degree of gratitude that I can find in the moment, whether that be for something big or small. I've had an amazing time here. I'm grateful for the whole experience, but I'm grateful for each hand that I've shaken and each time I've had to set up the tripod and every time I've looked in someone's eyes or clicked my slide to the next one, having no fucking clue what's on the next one. 
It's all gratitude no matter what. There's no judgment of it as right or wrong, good or bad. I have to take the duality out and just go straight love and gratitude. Next one is changing your state. And I do this a lot. I use music of all different kinds. One of the first things you do in the morning is I put on some sort of positive podcast, some sort of um, audiobook podcast that's going to get me in the right state of mind, or I just put on music that's very uplifting and high energy. And for some of you, that might be Slayer. Uh, for me, it's classical music or yoga mantra, something that has a high vibration. You know, one of the most high vibration songs ever um, uh, written in the world is called uh, Pachelbel's Canon in D. That song, I don't care what version you find of it, you put some headphones on and just really get into your heart space and listen to that. I mean, hopefully it's by a good symphony or something like that, not like a cheesy karaoke version of it. But even that, there's something about certain songs and certain music that just have this really positive effect and can change your state. And that's, that's one thing, you know, as we um, have taken breaks a couple of times and done our little breathing and movement, I've had the thought, I'm like, not finding fault, but saying, wow, what could be really cool also... You know, I got to NLP myself is, wow, it'd be cool right now to have a DJ like that turns on some great music that would fit the mood and the tone of that particular um, moment. And then movement and breath that we've talked about a lot. I don't really need to cover. Probably more than anything in here, and I've, the next one's kind of geared a little bit more toward men. We have some women in the room. But before I get to that, this one's universal, and that's just the human connection and love. You know, sometimes I'll start to experience mental and emotional stress and need to care about myself and think, okay, I need to go off and be by myself and fix this shit and change my state. And then someone will call me, hey, man, I'm fucked up. Can we talk for a few minutes? I go, okay, God, I got to help this other person or whatever it is. I'm not even outreaching because I don't realize I need help. In other words, I talk to a homie for 15 minutes, help them with the problem. And I'm like, oh, my God, I feel amazing. What was I so worried about? You know, and all it was was just a little bonding. It was just some human connection. It's amazing how you can change your state just by looking someone in the eyes for a few minutes. I mean, even regardless of your degree of intimacy with that person, sometimes I'll change my state just walking into the fucking grocery store and really just making an effort when I'm in line and it's my turn just to stand in front of them like a freaking Martian and just be like, hi, how are you? You know what? Thank you so much. Not fake, though. Really mean it. Really love on them. And thank you so much for ringing me up and allowing me to get these donuts or whatever. Not getting donuts, but that would feel good if I was. I mean, the smallest thing like that, you know, when you walk into a bank or the DMV or somewhere where everyone's just like, oh, really? There's 20 stations and only two people and they're already walking up just ready for a fight. And you're the one person that comes in just like, hi, how are you? Wow, cool. Thank you so much. It's not for them. It's self-care. It's because I want to have a positive experience. I want more love and connection in my life. This is something I'm learning, you know, slowly. I'm 48 years old. I'm learning to value that more over other needs that are valid, but maybe not as fulfilling, like being significant, being someone's success, achieving goals. Nothing wrong with any of that. But if you want to change your mood and change your state, connecting with another human being and acknowledging their divinity and your divinity at the same time is extremely powerful. But sometimes I think it just happens when it happens. We don't think of it as a practice or something we can proactively seek out in our day when we're fucked up. The next one is for men. And it goes with the human connection and love. 
But I really wanted to put this in here, and then it's funny because as life has it, sometimes I'll, I'll want to touch on something, and then I'll be given the gift of having that experience in between, as I just explained with the hot tub outside, getting exactly 20 minutes until I talk to do my 20-minute meditation. Uh, the other night, we went out to dinner with a couple of the guys with Neil and the speakers and stuff, and uh, I swear to God, after dinner, I was like, Neil, that was amazing. I feel so good. And I was smoked. I just flew in from Florida the day before. I mean, I was fighting, driving out here to the dinner. I just thought, oh, I got to show up. You know, I want to be a part of things. I don't, you know, I just, it's important for me to kick off the weekend and just connect with everyone. So I made myself go. I forced myself. By the end of a three-hour dinner, I mean, I was laughing my ass off the whole time. We had the best time. And afterward, I realized, oh, it's because I was at a table with a bunch of dudes and, you know, and this is not to exclude women. I'm sure women have this experience when you're around a bunch of other women. I don't know what it does hormonally, but I do know what happens when men get together with other men and spend quality time being positive and being supportive and not competitive of one another, that it raises your testosterone. And as a man, when your testosterone is high, you feel hella good. That's self-care. So now I make it a practice whenever possible. It's like if I'm feeling a little bit lost or shaken up or off and I'm just needing to take care of myself rather than, again, going off alone and thinking, okay, I just need to monk out here and do my monastic, like, oh, I'll make myself feel better thing. It's like, no, I need connection. And for me as a man, that connection is very healing when the connection is with um, a few other guys, you know, and that's the power of a mastermind. That's why guys play poker and do shit like that. We feel better when we get together in groups. I also go to some um, self-help type groups that are all men. You know, it's like, I don't even know the men. I walk out, I just feel amazing just because I was around other men. And I think this is really, really important for us to be able to support each other. And also, of course, you know, in the, in the last one there, the human connection of love, obviously that's going to be the most powerful when it's with your mate or your partner that you're in love with, be them male or female or whatever, but someone that you have a deeper level of intimacy and vulnerability with. But even just sitting down with some guys that I barely know and having a dinner and just shooting the shit and kind of ribbing each other and having fun like a bunch of teenage dumbasses was very healing and grounding and totally set me up for this weekend. So that was an act of self-care, just to be there and contribute in that fellowship. Saying yes to saying no. Uh, I'm someone who likes to stay busy, and I think oftentimes I trick myself into thinking I'm being productive because... People email me and shit, and I'm just like, yes, 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 yes. And then I have no time for myself. And I have no time to work on the projects that count. And you know who's good at this shit is Neil. I've, I bugged him for two years to be on my podcast. He's like, nope, I'm busy. I'm like, bro, what? He's like, nope, not happening. I'm on a deadline. I was like, great lesson. Uh, one of our guys that used to speak, uh, Ramit Sethi, I emailed him because I was going to New York. It was a great lesson, and I gave him this really great pitch. We had met a couple times. We'd had dinner. We bonded a bit. We vibed. We were cool. Not besties, but you know, he answered my email. We had had some exchanges over the years, and I sent him this really concise, very solid pitch. My deck, you know, my PDF about the podcast, what I'm doing. I said, dude, I haven't done a show on finance and money, and my show's about building the ultimate lifestyle. Money's got to be part of it. You're the perfect guy. Let's do this. And he sent me back a very brief email that was like, Nope, I'm saying no to stuff right now. I've got my head down working on some projects. Thanks anyway. I was like, respect. It's cool. I mean, I was disappointed because I wanted it, but I was like, thank you for the lesson. And so if you're the type of person that tends to be a people pleaser or just wants to contribute and just keep giving and giving and giving, which is a great strategy for starting a brand and creating content, it's just, you know, 10 gives to one ask. But sometimes for me, the ratio gets a little skewed and it's like too many gives, too many yeses. And I'm like, dude, 
why is it taking me a year to build a website? And I, have, I don't even have one page done. I mean, this is my reality right now. A year ago, I emailed my graphic designers like, okay, I'm going to do a new site. We got to have the thing and the thing. She's like, cool, send me some references. We'll get on it. And now it's a year later. And she's like, uh, you're going to send me anything? I'm like, clawing my way to that task because I have not learned how to say no enough. So my personal goal for 2019 uh, in terms of self-care, a topic we're on, is to say no to just about everything. And I even made email templates that are concise, polite, caring, but firm. And they all have a different date on them. Some of them say, sorry, I'm not doing anything until March. Some of them say, I'm not doing anything until July. Some of them say, let's talk in 2020. And depending on how much I value that opportunity or how that opportunity serves my needs, I'm going to say yes or no. So I'm really the one that needs to practice this is saying yes to saying no. Crucial if you're that type of person. Then we've got pills and powders when you need to relax. And you know, you guys might have figured out I'm kind of a guinea pig. I mean, I'm cool. Like the blue light thing, the EMF, I'm on board. This morning I got up at seven and did my sun gazing. I've had great energy today. I told Jack, I was like, I don't know if it's placebo, but I did your shit and I ate salmon for lunch today. Feel amazing. I, you know, I don't know. I'll do it again tomorrow, see how it goes. But I still took some goddamn supplements today because I didn't get a lot of sleep. So I'm still, you know, into seeing how I can regulate and change things. So when it comes to mental and emotional stress, aside from the mindset stuff and all of the stuff that I talked about that is, um, you know, uh, what do they call it? And endogenous, is that the word when it's something within you? This is exogenous, I think is the word, if I'm not mistaken. So CBD, THC, we talked about that a little bit, can be very relaxing. You know, if you want to take THC to get high, that's one thing, that's not my purpose. It's more sleep, relaxation, the, the, the max dose I can get to without actually feeling it, where I'm like, oh, wow, cool, I want to eat Captain Crunch Bears and watch cartoons. Not my jam, but I do like it for the inflammation and just the general relaxation. Here's one that I really love. It's called Phenibit. It's a form of GABA, Phenibit HCL to be specific. This one, though, honestly, you've got to be really careful with because it is addictive. And if you take too much of it, it will fuck you up. And I've experienced that before, taking it too often, get kind of vertigo and dizzy. So this was like the one that I would say is the most risky and definitely not natural, uh, but does have a profound effect on the way you feel. And if you need to relax or get some sleep or take a nap or have a deep meditation, uh, that can be quite powerful as well as GABA. Kava Kava, passion flower, these are herbs that you can get extracts of or just make teas of that are really relaxing. I mean, now in some cities, there's kava bars where you can go in and get kava kava and kratom and all these natural compounds that are unadulterated, not even extracts, just ground leaf in a tea. And some of them will knock you on your ass in a good way, like if you really need to relax. I love kratom. There's a, not a great documentary, but an informative documentary called A Leaf of Faith about kratom, which is a leaf that comes from Southeast Asian trees and is a substitute for opiates. And you can use it as a painkiller and it's very effective for getting off opiates. So if anyone in the room's like a closet junkie, look into Kratom. I mean that in the best sense. You know, if you're addicted to pain meds or something like that, if you know someone that is, stuff is amazing. It's just a green powdered leaf. I get mine from a company in Vegas called something Organics with an X. They test for heavy metals, molds, yeast, all that weird shit. It's not irradiated when it comes in uh, across the border. That's the best source I've found. But some of this stuff can be very useful, provided you're doing all the mental and emotional work at the root causal level. 
Like kava kava ain't gonna fix your ass if you haven't sorted out why you're stressed out because you're negative and angry and you hate the world and you haven't dealt with your trauma. Tech, uh, infrared sauna, circadia, binaural beats. I'm gonna kind of skip through that and just wrap up with spiritual stress. So this is one that I alluded to in the beginning. And to me, this is about a purposeless life in a meaningless universe. I'm gonna hang on to that. That one was on the plane, you know, back from Florida. I thought, how do you describe spiritual stress? Because I know it's a thing, I've experienced it. It's the existential stress. It's when you don't know why the fuck you're here. What's the point? You know, when the mental and emotional stress gets so acute and you're so buried under that, then there's this deeper level of that, which we could clinically call depression or, you know, a serious anxiety disorder. But to me, it comes from not having an alignment with my true purpose and not having a relationship with or identification with my higher or true self, the thing inhabiting the body. I've lost that. Like, I'm not in that. I'm just totally in the body, totally in the lower self, the small self, in the ego, in the instincts, in survival mode. I think there is no God, there is no purpose. If there is a God, he fucking hates me. Nothing goes my way. When the negativity spiral mentally and emotionally becomes so deep that you're down circling the drain, that's when the existential crisis happens. And to me, that's spiritual stress. That's where life has no meaning. What's the point? This is the point at which thoughts of suicide, thoughts of homicide start to enter the picture. Now, we could say that it's a low dopamine, blue light EMF thing, probably has a lot to do with it, but this to me has more of a worldview uh, implication. It has to do with me being closed-minded to different spiritual ideas because I had a negative experience with a, a sect of religion or something early in life, and therefore I've thrown the baby out with the bathwater because the Catholic priest was a bad man, and therefore God is a bad thing. Whereas what really needs to happen, I think, to have a healthy relationship with your own spirituality is to have a sense of autonomy and individuality and come up with your own concept. You know, when people ask me, well, you talk about God, what does that mean to you? I mean, I can't even explain it. It's, it's not something that I can even explain. It's an energy field. It's the thing that makes your fucking toenails grow and makes trees grow and makes our hearts beat and makes us breathe. It's that thing. And that's not even an adequate description. It's just, to me, it's like the way I look at My spirituality is there's nothing that's not spiritual. There's nothing that's not God. It encompasses everything. It's huge. It's unending. And so when I have that perspective and I'm open-minded enough to continue to explore that, my higher self and then the highest self, the thing that I'm made of and connected to and that we're all connected to, having that zoomed out more global view on my human experience gives me the meaning. Well, what is my purpose then? For me, my worldview and life view is that my purpose is that I've incarnated into this body in order to have a material plane experience so that I can work on my soul's character and I can evolve to a higher level of consciousness. And so when I look at war and famine and politics and all those things, it's just kind of funny to me. I mean, of course, if it's directly happening to me or my loved ones, it could be a little more challenging, but I don't take it all too seriously because I know it's part of earth school. It's the opportunity we have here to live within the full spectrum. I could walk out here tonight. I could go on a fucking shooting spree if I'm willing to pay the karmic price. And some people are, and they're in that much pain that they do that. But I don't think the universe or God is wrong because of that. And I've had to work on these things for years. Well, how can I reconcile evil and darkness and all of that? How can I reconcile the contrast of the human experience? If I don't want to experience spiritual stress and feel like I have no purpose and it's a meaningless universe, I've got to really start asking some of the deep questions. And the deep questions are answered through a meditative practice 
They're answered through what I like to call scientific prayer, which is a term I learned from Emmett Fox, who's a great new thought spiritual teacher in the 20s. Uh, he was like a Christian scientist. And I, you know, I'm not a Christian per se. Um, I'd say I'm closest to that just based on my family of origin and stuff, but I wouldn't, you know, I don't go to church on a regular basis. But he talks about scientific Christian, um, I'm sorry, um, scientific prayer. And it's this thing where you're in communication on an ongoing basis with whatever you think the creator is, like whatever made the universe, made the planet, made people, made water, made food, made animals, made all of the things that we see in space. Everything there is, there's some force or some intelligence behind it. And the way that he talked about it was that even if you don't believe that there's anything there and you believe that it's meaningless and it's all just an accident and just random, that even if you believe that and if you want to have a more spiritually fulfilling, connected life, that you can kind of placebo yourself and just start doing your own version of communicating with that thing that many of us call God or spirit or the universe, right? So it's this idea that to have an experience with God, you don't have to believe in God. It doesn't take belief. It takes willingness to believe. And if you have a willingness to believe, then the ego is at bay enough for that ineffable, undescribable, omniscient force, energy, field, whatever we call it or however we experience it, to enter in. Because now I've given my free will and given my permission to have some of that experience. And so to me, an act of prayer is not... Now, I mean, I could be, you know, making some motions, but it's I'm living in a prayer right now. I'm in communication with the field that I'm in. So as I'm talking to you guys, there's a me watching a me, and then there's a me watching me watching me. I'm in connected. I'm connected to a higher consciousness, and that's not because I'm more spiritual. Or I'm trying to be Mr. Woo Woo. It's just the way it is. I just know that there's something behind all of this because I've been working for a long time to prove it to myself. And how I prove it to myself is I go, mm, it doesn't really make sense. It's probably all bullshit, all this spiritual stuff, but I'm just going to do it anyway and see what happens as my life get better. And when I ask for a deeper level of understanding or I ask for the ability to accept something that I can't accept or I ask to have something in my life or to have something removed from my life that's not serving me and I ask God, I guess you could say, through my own version of prayer, which is just a communication with that, I'm relieved of spiritual stress. I start to get answers in the form of people and help and events that show up in my life in a very practical, tangible way that aren't at all spiritual or woo-woo. It's just like, wow, shit's working out. Things are going my way. There's a flow to my life. Things are happening in a way that serves me to my highest good. And when I'm served to my highest good and I'm really taking care of myself in these ways, then I find myself able to be freely of service to people and still have a sense of my own space. I have boundaries that are just inherent because I'm taking care of myself. I'm putting on my own oxygen mask first. That's my number one job. I have to stay connected to source. I have to stay connected to this energy field. Otherwise, I drift off and I feel sort of like a visual might be the astronaut, you know, in a space movie, and they get cut off their little strap and they just start floating away and they're on their own in a meaningless, dark, cold universe and the ship is over there and everyone's on the ship still alive plenty of oxygen and he's floating away. When I get disconnected in what I'm calling spiritual stress, that's how I feel. I start to lose meaning. I start to lose the purpose, not just for my life, but why are we all here? What the fuck are we doing? And then I start to see all the faults and all the evil and all the darkness. And I lose the perspective that that, that duality 
gives us all the opportunity to have a spectrum that we can go from the lowest to the highest, and that's our free will, and that's the greatest gift. Well, who gave us that free will? It's something, and that's the thing I have to stay connected to and use my free will to align myself with that higher will or that higher intelligence and have my life be guided by truths and spiritual principles that give me a sense of meaning and purpose. And also at the same time, as serious as all of that might sound on one level, allow me to kind of zoom out and not be too attached to the whole game. I mean, uh, I see John Durant's here. We, he's one of the only guys in LA I can talk politics with that won't like call me out on social media. Or we, you know, we can talk freely and disagree or agree, but we talk about this stuff and it's like, we're just kind of sitting back going, wow, look at the fireworks. You know, it's like not getting too attached and involved, but that comes from a more broad worldview where you know there's a higher purpose and that we're all just here to have this experience. Who I'm not is the mind, who I'm not is the body. So if I want to discover who I am and discover that sense of purpose, I've got to get the idea and all spiritual practices and teachings from all over the world all lead to this fact that as we experience life as an animal, it very much feels like the thoughts are real, the feelings are real, the body's real. This is the end of the story. This is who and what I am. But in fact, as you start to explore, as I'm sure many of you have, meditative practices, prayer, spiritual literature, being in front of spiritual masters, whatever the case may be, being in love, seeing your kid, we're touching something that's beyond that. And living from that point of view more and more, to me, is the ultimate alleviator of stress. And this happens through connecting to spirit, through the type of prayer and meditation and contemplative reading and not having our spiritual life, a thing that's set aside over in the corner that we do for 10 minutes a day or 20 minutes a day, but something that we live. This is what I have to live, man. I'm living it right now. I, I'm, I do this shit right now as I'm sharing this experience with you guys. And this is what gives life meaning and alleviates stress on all of those levels. And that is looking for proof of a higher power, being a miracle hunter, you know, is looking for the meaning, looking for the purpose, not getting caught up in the individual touch points of a narrative, but zooming out and looking at the whole arc of one's life or the whole evolution of human consciousness through the ages that are recorded in history and seeing, aha, we're on an upward trajectory. Mankind is, things are getting better and better all the time. That's a fucking fact. In my life, subjectively, things are on an upward trajectory, getting better and better all the time. This is much more easy to access if you don't watch mainstream media, by the way. So that's finding who you are, your life's purpose, and connecting to something greater than yourself. And um, thank you, you guys, for your kind attention and helping me to have that direct experience right now as I've been able to share with you. Much appreciation. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for joining me on this very special bootleg broadcast of the Lifestylist podcast. If you enjoyed the show, I'd love for you to share it with a couple of friends, maybe even a couple of frenemies, you know what I mean? If there's someone that uh, really needs some enlightenment uh, and, and they're bothering you and um, you're not looking forward to the next time you see them, perhaps you could share this podcast with them. They'll be transformed and enlightened and you might even start to like them more. If you want to learn about every single product and service that I use in my personal life to be more awesome and feel great, you can go to lukestory.com forward slash store. And there you will find, my friends, Luke's Master Market. This is a highly organized, categorized list of every single thing that I've found to be useful and supportive of health, including many of the things that I talked about in this particular presentation. So that's lukestory.com forward slash store. 
The awesome thing about my store is that I don't have to stock anything because I don't sell anything. So I call it a store because there's no other word for what it is. Uh, but really, it's just a collection of links and resources that I've put together together over the past 22 years. And in most cases, something really magical happens when you go through my store. Uh, you'll get a discount. And I will also get a sales commission as many of these uh, brands that I work with are either sponsors of the show or brands that I work with in an affiliate or ambassador capacity. So it's a really great um, you know, system that we've got going here with this type of media. And I feel that it has a lot of integrity, which is why I feel really good about recommending all the products and services that I'm into. Um, I love it because I can save you the time and energy of having to go vet everything yourself. If you're not someone who likes to read 120 Amazon reviews of a freaking herb, well, you got your guy right here because that's what I do before I buy something and especially before I put it on my site or run promos for it on the show. So go to lukestory.com forward slash store, get yourself the best of the best and in many cases get a discount and do your part to support the podcast with um, you know the ability to actually get something in return as well. And then we've got another sponsor on today's show, and that is Organifi. You can go to Organifi.com forward slash Luke and save yourself 20% by using the code Lifestylist. That's Organifi.com forward slash Luke. The code is Lifestylist for 20% off. Make sure to tune in next Tuesday. We're back to our regular programming with Raising Conscious Kids, the new parenting paradigm with Neil Strauss. That is one, my friends, you don't want to miss. Until then, take care. And make sure that you're spending time to recover and love on yourself. Because if you don't do it, who's going to? This episode of the Lifestylist Podcast was produced by podcastmasters.net.